0: So today's episode 192 of the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast entitled, Why We Love to Blame Others, Especially When Life Sucks. Recently I was listening to a podcast called The Remnant featuring Jonah Goldberg, in which he was interviewing a special guest of his, Jonah Brooks. If you don't know who Jonah, or I'm sorry, David Brooks. If you don't know who Jonah Goldberg and David Brooks are, they're basically uh, journalists, political commentators, and... Uh, they're pretty big names, especially in uh, conservative-type worlds. Um, and they were having this fascinating discussion that kind of made me think this week. And I had opportunity in which I could observe in my own life. Um, In this episode of the Remnant podcast, Jonah and David talked about how when people are successful, those individuals, they love to take credit for all their success. But when they fail... They love to blame someone else, take for example, when you get a promotion at your great new job. you got it because you're super talented, you worked hard, you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps. you're just this swell individual, and everything in the universe was just aligned to come your way you You perhaps even paid your tithes and <laughs> you know you 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 got what was coming to you everything is as it should be because you're such a swell person. However, if you get laid off or fired, well, it's because Joe Biden and the Democrats have ruined the economy. This blame game, of course, is a story that's as old as time, and it manifests itself in a variety of ways throughout the history of the world. And I'm sure you've had a lot of experiences of it in your own life. For example, the Romans blamed the Christians for the decline of the Roman Empire. It's because the little Christian sect popped up and everybody stopped worshipping the old gods and started promoting Jesus as God that that's the reason why Rome fell is because people were not adhering to the old gods and, and that's what the problem was. Or Hitler, for example, blamed the Jews for the decline of Germany and why they couldn't have nice things. So the solution, of course, is to round up all the Jews and to kill them. Republicans blame Democrats, and Democrats blame Republicans. Children blame their parents for why they're so messed up, and boomers blame millennials for why this country is no longer great and why we can't have nice things. And the funny thing is about all this, that we often play this blame game without much in the way of any actual evidence of the theories that we espouse. At best, maybe we have a few antidotal type stories that we use to shame the other and to prove our point and to support our broader preferred narratives and stories. For example, this morning I posted on Facebook that, you know, wow, it's amazing. (laughs) I looked around and I was driving around last night coming back from dinner with a friend and I noted that there was a gas station that I passed that, you know, was below $3 a gallon. And I was like, holy crap. On a cracker Batman like three dollars a gallon of uh, that's that's kind of amazing uh, I haven't seen gas below three dollars a gallon in quite some time and I saw I noted it on Facebook I was like I wonder what's happening and then I come back a few hours later and it's as if immediately by kind of this natural reflex that people had without any supporting evidence multiple people over half a dozen people of my friends and family started posting on this comment and saying, well, the only reason gas is below $3 a gallon is because that old senile President Joe Biden is causing gas prices to fall and we're heading into a 2024 election, so gas prices have been high because, you know, he's been looking to screw us over on one way, but now that he's looking to become president again and all of a sudden the gas prices are suddenly going to get better, and, and so that's how he's going to win the 2024 election is because he's made gas prices get better uh, the year before he gets elected. <sighs> <laughs> and guess what? Maybe you believe that story. Uh, and I only point this out, though, at the end of the day, not to shame families or friends or you, but to show really how preemptively prepped people are ready In order to spin a narrative, in order to explain why in 2024, Donald Trump might lose the presidential election. It'll be because there is this grand conspiracy of Joe Biden and the Democrats to lower gas prices artificially so as to cause Donald Trump to lose the election. Because why else would you spin that narrative? That you're only spinning the narrative because you don't want Joe Biden to win the 2024 election. And so as a result, you've conspired against this, this theory for which you have zero evidence that Joe Biden and the Democrats are conspiring after years to lower gas prices just for the benefit of an election, just so your guy can lose. And so you've already sold yourself and bought into this story um, so that when, if and when Donald Trump should lose the 2024 presidential election, you already have a story that you can already... F- bring out to help explain and make sense of the world, instead of simply being able to admit that maybe perhaps Donald Trump just lost an election because the majority of Americans don't really like him and they might prefer the other guy. And that's assuming Donald Trump loses the election in 2024. Um, But of course, if Donald Trump manages to win the 2024 election, there seems to be almost increasing... Uh, chance that he might actually do so based off recent polls, people will just conveniently forget that they conspired or they that they had this story of low gas prices and some grand conspiracy. Um, and it'll be just a story that never happened. Um, and uh, instead of saying about how everything was rigged against them, it'll just simply be then espoused that, well, Donald Trump was just the better candidate and people liked him more. <laughs> So it's it's kind of interesting to to see something like that just manifest itself. People without even like you know saying, well, here's uh, the evidence that you know Joe Biden is engaged in a conspiracy to lower uh, gas prices so he can win the election. All all these people with just the same reflex, without any prior evidence of such, just espouse the same theory. They all had this like, and it made me wonder like, why did they do that? And I can't help but just wonder. That perhaps, well and meaning as these people are, and as lovely as they are as people, that people just have like this sort of itch. They have this itch that they have to scratch, and it's just something that's embedded in the human psyche and the human heart that ultimately w- helps them to explain when things don't happen the way they would like to happen. So in this podcast today, I'm hoping to explain like, well, why do people behave this way? Why do people love to glory in their successes, but blame others for when their life sucks and that they don't get the desired outcomes? Why is it that they so quickly resort to strange conspiracy theories to explain such notions, even though there's little to no evidence for that? Even though they, there is no evidence for it, they have this reflex, and they act upon the reflex, and they say, because I have this idea, it must be true, and they sincerely believe that, and they believe it's actually happening in spite of there being no evidence. And they believe that without any coaching, without any coercion, or without any such thing to cause them to believe that. They just believed it as a matter of reflex. So I sit here and wonder, like, why do we do these things? And I think the only real explanation for that is because we come up with these theories and these ideas that somebody must be conspiring against us and that something greater is happening In the world that is outside of our control because when we have such theories it gives us a sense of control that we have over our lives because when everything goes according to plan we feel like a wise chess grandmaster who aggressively pushes pawns and sacrifices Queens as we skillfully plot a path to victory and to ultimately checkmate but when we lose We get angry and defensive and we feel like someone is somehow cheating us out of something that rightfully belongs to us. Therefore, when we lose, it's not because of something we did or did not do. It's because there's a smoke-filled room in which people are conspiring against us. So much so that this story played out in the last couple years, actually in the game of chess, in which the world chess champion uh, lost to a young up-and-comer, and he was just so blown away by his defeat that he got so caught up in conspiracies that this guy must be only winning because he's cheating, and he went so far as to say that the guy had some some sort of uh, special radio device inserted in such a cavity <laughs> uh, in his buttocks In order that somebody in another room could somehow buzz him to alter, alert him to the fact that there is a better move on the chessboard that he should be aware of. And that the computer had a better answer. And so, uh, you know, so this one world grandmaster chess player conspired and came up with this theory that this guy, the only reason he's beating him is because he's a cheat. And, you know, he never was able to prove that this guy was cheating against him. But it caused him to protest playing the guy any further, uh, and he ended up just you know, losing as a result. So it's weird, the theories that we spin. It's weird that we come up with these ideas when we have no evidence of things. We, we sit there and conspire and say, well, it must be because somebody powerful in a smoke-filled room is doing something to defeat me and to come against me, and as a result, that is why I'm losing, and that is why my life sucks. And I believe we tell ourselves such stories because such stories, as frightening as they may be that somebody is out there conspiring to to get us and to screw us over, ultimately in a way gives us comfort, because it gives us a sense of control over our lives, because we feel that deep down inside, that if it were not for this other person or this other group of people out there, that our lives would be unfolding before us as planned. And that everything would just happen as we plan and plot and save and and do this, that, and the other. Our lives would just be a success story. And we because we have such a grand sense of control over our lives and what's happening in our lives, that when something doesn't go according to plan, when something doesn't go against some, when something doesn't happen according to the story that we have for ourselves, it can only be explained by that there's something else happening out there. And if we were just somehow remove or blame or take down that other person that's conspiring against us, who has beads inserted into weird places, uh, then, then we could just get back to the story as normal and our lives as they're supposed to take place. So we come up with these theories that somebody's screwing us over, in order to comfort ourselves, saying, if it wasn't for so-and-so, my life would be grand. And that brings us comfort because we love to have a sense of control. We love to feel like we are large and in charge of our own story and that, that we are the masters of our own domain, the captain of our ship, and that we can just direct ourselves however we wish, we can just pull up ourselves by the bootstraps, we can just work hard, make plans, make sacrifices, and everything will happen according to, to how we dictate things should ultimately happen. So for example, this uh, especially with this past month of the, the war in Israel taking place uh, between Israel and Gaza, I decided to get curious and read the founding, chartering documents of the terrorist group known as Hamas. I did so in the last couple weeks, and it was an interesting document. Uh, It's an interesting document because the great majority of the document is basically the spelling out of the grievances that Hamas has against the Jews and the reason why they don't control and why the reason Hamas and the Palestinians are unable to control Palestine presently. And the, the, the premise behind Hamas and their founding charter documents is basically that the reason why they don't have control over Palestine area presently is because there's this grand world Jewish... Uh, plot against them that has existed for over 150 years, and the Jews have been conspiring with powerful politicians and with bankers and with the media, and that they've ultimately done this great scheme in order to get one over on them and steal the land that is rightfully theirs, uh, by, you know, engaging in all these chess moves that just you know, ultimately have exploited the Palestinian people and taken advantage of them and screwed them over. And that's basically the charter document of Hamas. And they basically say, but, you know, in spite of all these uh, things that are happening, uh, in spite of being this existing in this world in which we are being oppressed through, through the Jews who run the banks, the media and the politicians, Uh, We ultimately believe that we're going to be successful at expelling the Jews from the land and to overcome our struggles against them because Allah is ultimately going to bless our efforts to kill the Jews wherever they may hide. And that's basically the founding charter documents of Hamas. It's a grand conspiracy theory. It sounds like something you would read at a KKK rally uh, in which they were talking about their grievances with the Jews controlling the media and the banks. Uh, and believing that that's the only reason why they're suffering and that's the only reason why they can't have nice things is because the Jews everywhere are controlling everything with everybody. Uh, and then I sit there and think, you know, as somebody who works at for a bank and as somebody who has enjoyed uh, my consumption of media over the years, I'm sitting there thinking... Why are they so down against the Jews controlling the banks and the media? Like, <laughs> these have been good things, right? Uh, and not to say that the Jews control the banks or the media, uh, though they're disproportionately representative uh, in such industries. Um, but I'm just like, you know, I love banks. I love TV. Like, I was just watching Netflix before I uh, came and recorded this podcast, and uh, I just got paid this week, so and I work at a bank, and I feel pretty good about both. So, uh, but for some reason, the, the Hamas and their struggle against the Jews have come up with this conspiracy theory that explains why they can't have nice things, and they just believe that eventually Allah is going to bless them and their struggle and their jihad against the Jews, uh, and that one day that they will clear uh, the land of the Jews, and they'll, they'll be able to kill them in their struggle, and eventually they'll overcome and such kind of shows at the end of the day how nutty Hamas's leaders are in their thinking. They're currently failing at their goals because of a global conspiracies of Jews. But of course, one day Allah's gonna bless them and they're gonna and He's got their back, so they're ultimately gonna win. And I just can't help but think, well, which is it? Like, is Allah not big enough to overcome the conspiracies of the Jews? Uh, or is are the Jews just so much bigger and better and stronger than Allah? Like it, it doesn't seem like they're being overly critical of their own theology um, and their own sense of divine providence. Uh, they, they blame the Jews for why they can't have nice things, but they ultimately say that uh, because of Allah one day they will have nice things. Well, it's like, well, why can't Allah take care of the Jews right now? Why, why, why is the Jews getting up on what up on Allah? I, I don't know. I don't claim to be a fundamentalist Islamic terrorist theologian, and so I'll leave them to the questions regarding divine providence and how they figure out such equations. Uh, I know in Christian circles we haven't necessarily done any better, especially uh, those who run uh, in uh, Calvinist-type circles when it comes to issues regarding predestination and divine providence. Uh, But just regarding all that, I only bring up this question and this issue Because I think fundamentally, at the end of the day, most of us think in ways that aren't that different than Hamas. The natural gut reaction of our inner theologian isn't that much different than the gut reaction of the theologian of Hamas. Our theology just ultimately involves different actors, but like a good Hallmark movie, it involves the same plot over and over again. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I think maybe we need to learn to write a different storyline. But that storyline is one that I think ultimately scares us to death to tell, which is why we ultimately don't tell it. Instead, we prefer to tell the story in which we get to play the blame game. We love to be able to blame others. We love to make ourselves the victim. We love to talk about how we can't get ahead because of X, Y, and Z. But that X, Y, and Z, you know, usually has nothing to do with us. We give ourselves all the props and all the glory when it comes to our successes, but we, you know, totally scapegoat our failures and the hardships of life that we experience. The truth is, life is scary. It's full of seemingly random happening events that, often and unexpectedly, involve things that are outside of our control and that there's nothing that we can really do to ultimately control such events. We can, for example, work hard, save, and invest, and play by all the right financial rules, only to unexpectedly lose our job when there's an economic downturn and maybe even uh, lose our homes our ability to feed our families and all the things that we ultimately had planned for us and our economic decisions. We can exercise, we can eat right, we can get a good night's sleep. Yet, at the end of the day, some of us still receive an unexpected cancer diagnosis in the prime of our life. And our life is threatened and maybe even dramatically cut short. We can lovingly wine and dine a romantic partner get married, and pour our lives entirely into that person, only to sit back and watch as they betray us and cheat on us with somebody else. When such things happen, when life throws us an unexpected curveball, it's so easy, it's so easy to seek an explanation that allows us to blame someone else and then to find comfort in those explanations. But such, I believe, is ultimately an easy way out. For it's harder to admit that we live in a world in which we aren't God and that a lot of things that are going to happen are far outside our ability to control and understand and to manipulate. It's far harder to give yourself over to that reality and to simply fling yourselves into the hands of God And trust that whatever happens in your life, both good and bad, that things are ultimately in the hands of God and that you're willing to trust Him no matter what the outcome of your circumstances and actions might be. That's hard. It's hard to admit that we don't have control. It's hard to admit that bad things are going to happen in our lives that we're not happy about and that we have no control over. And it's hard to just open ourselves and make ourselves vulnerable to all the disasters that can befall us in the possible universe. And it's hard to simply say that no matter what the outcome of the situations of life might be, that I'm ultimately going to place myself in the hands of a loving God who's looking out for me. It's hard to do that. You know what's easy to do? It's easy to engage in the blame game. It's easy to hunker down, to point the fingers at others, uh, to shake our fist at anger, to, to secretly think that somebody out there is out to get us. It's easier to do that than to simply resign ourselves to having to trust God just to navigate the ups and downs, the good and the bad, and all the things in between with our lives. We ultimately engage, I believe, in constructing narratives that blame others when things don't go our way because we ultimately don't want to let go of the sense of control that we all feel that we have. And we find it absurd and dangerous to ultimately trust God with our very lives. We want to cling to control. We want to cling to the stories that make us feel good. We don't want to have this sense That we have lost control and that things that are happening in our lives simply are things that, you know, both good and bad that at the end of the day, we don't have that much involvement with when it comes to the outcomes. So instinctively, in the process, instead, we blame Joe Biden, the Jews, immigrants, and a lot of other people that we are secretly suspicious suspicious of as being somehow engaged and a plot to conspire against us. We prefer those stories. They make us feel good. They they terrify us, but they make us feel good because they give us a sense that if it were not for these bad actors, I would have control again over my life. And that if I could just get these bad actors who are conspired against me to go away, then all would be right in the universe, and all would ultimately unfold according to my plan. And that's not to say, you know, at the end of the day that there aren't powerful people out in this world plotting against others. History is certainly full of examples of evil people in powerful places plotting against others, both as individuals, classes of people, country, nations, and other different racial, ethnic, sex, uh, gender-based uh, categories. There's all sorts of people who have conspired against other people in this world and plot against others. There are wicked people out there. But even with that said, our instincts, especially as Christian, as Christians, shouldn't be to look for the boogeyman to blame. We shouldn't sit out there and just think everybody out there is out to get us, even though there might occasionally be a person or two that's out there to, to get us. But ultimately, our instincts is not to look for the boogeyman, real or imagined. What our instinct should rather be to throw our lives into the hands of the God who we can trust, who loves us, and who is ultimately looking out for our good. That should be our instinct. That should be our attitude. And we shouldn't sit there and think that the only reason gas prices are all of a suddenly below $3 is because Joe Biden and the Democrats are trying to win a 2024 election and screw Trump over again and to screw you out of having the president that you want, Uh, especially when, you know, if you just do a little research, you would actually find out that the reason gas prices are down low is because there's issues with supply and demand and Uh, the Saudi Arabians doing some things as a result of supply and demand. And there's some stuff with the short sellers in the market and the economy that's causing prices to ultimately drive down low because of economic concerns on a global scale. That's causing them to think, hey, maybe, uh, You know, maybe there's not going to be such a strong demand for oil in the future. So therefore, you know, in keeping with supply and demand, we're lowering prices to make our product seem more attractive. It couldn't be anything to have to do with that. (laughs) You know, natural market forces operating in the world in response to supply and demand. No, it must be because there's a conspiracy of Joe Biden and the Democrats and some uh, child eating baby cult uh, to take over the country. Uh, and screw everybody over. No, nope, couldn't be that. It has to be that and over uh, the idea of supply and demand. And I say all that. I say all that again, just to emphasize that we have the wrong instincts. We have the wrong instincts. If your instinct is to blame others, if your instinct is to come up with a narrative without any evidence whatsoever of that narrative, then instead of looking for someone to blame, we need to learn to see who we can trust. Because the blame game is no way to live. If you want to live and you want to live well, learn to trust in God. Learn to trust in God when times are good. Learn to trust in God when times are bad. Just as it says in the scriptures, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 192 of the Jimmy's Table.com podcast. Why we love to blame others, especially when life sucks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, and you want to follow and get more podcasts like this, go to Jimmy's Table.com slash subscribe and find your favorite way to subscribe, whether it's through Apple, Spotify, good old-fashioned email newsletter. If you want to leave a glowing five-star review, you can go over to Apple and Spotify and leave a glowing five-star review and say, I really love how Jimmy explains life about why life sucks (laughs) Uh, and what I can do about it. Um, And if you'd love to email me and talk about this topic further, email me, Jimmy at Jimmy's table.com. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy's table.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless. And have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.